When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 397 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, my guest is laying down five organizing secrets straight from the mouths of professional organizers. Now, so many of us are finishing up our August Decluttering Challenge, 496 items, a nearly gone amazing If you've been listening to this show for a while, you already know that we never organize before we first clear out the excess. And hey there, we just decluttered. So now is the perfect time to get organized. Today I am speaking with organizing expert, and I do mean expert, Shira Gill. She has a new book coming out on October 3rd titled Organized Living, Solutions and Inspiration for Your Home. Shira, I am so happy to have you on the show a second time. Not many people get this honor, so I hope you feel oh so honored. I'm so honored. Thank you for having me again. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, last time you were on the show, I believe it was about a year and a half ago. So tell us, what have you been up to? Yeah, gosh. Yeah, I think last time we were talking about my first book, Minimalista, that was really all about my toolkit for editing and organizing. And I basically decided it would be really fascinating to see how other professional organizers live and set up their homes and do life. I have spent the past year and a half traveling the world with my trusty photographer and friend Vivian by my side. And I interviewed 25 professional organizers around the world and got to tour their homes and basically compiled everything I learned plus a really beautiful house tour for each expert into a new book called Organized Living. I got an advanced copy of your book, and I just must say thank you so much for putting this into the world because the sad fact remains that I can't, and I'm guessing many of my listeners can't, afford to hire a professional organizer. So you've given us a glimpse into how professional organizers organize, yes, but also like tips and tricks for those of us who, again, can't hire a professional. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I'm so excited. Before we do that, though, let's just all get on the same page and let's really hone in on the why. Like, why should we care about making an organized home and maintaining it? What are the benefits that you've seen of an organized home? 
Totally. So I would say clutter and disorganization, really what I've seen is they prevent people from living the lives they want to live. It can leave people feeling depressed, overwhelmed, anxious, even paralyzed. And conversely, when you have an organized home and I like to say a clutter-free life, it can lead to efficiency in all areas, right? So instead of spending time frantically searching for your wallet or keys before you get out the door. You can spend that time doing whatever it is you really want to be doing. It leads to clarity and control. It leads to a sense of freedom. I would say at the most basic level, I've seen that organization translates into calm. So when you walk into your home after a long day and everything is streamlined and organized, you can immediately relax and decompress instead of messing with the piles or feeling like your work is really never done. So that's really how I think of it is it's a tool to feel calmer, freer, more efficient, more creative, all of the things that most of us are seeking. I love that. And I love your emphasis on the fact that organization and maintaining an organized home, which again is work in and of itself though, it's a tool. Like a tool does something for you. It works for you. And I think that's important for those of us listening who do not have personalities that would be organized. Like organization is hard for them, right? It's a tool to help you find that peace, find that calm, find that more time, let's say. And so I guess I wonder, what do you say, though, to those listeners who say, I've spent time getting organized, I've tried to maintain the systems that I've enacted. And I always fail because I'm just not an organized person by nature. Do you have any words for them? A hundred percent. So I want to debunk. I really think it's a myth that you're either born with the organized gene or you're destined to be disorganized. I think that experience has shown me, I've been in this industry almost 15 years and I have worked with three-year-olds and I've worked with 80-year-olds and I see that anyone at any age at any phase of life can learn the skill of being organized and thinking like an organizer. And I would say that the number one thing that I see is that people overcomplicate organization. So we make it too difficult to set up and to maintain. And I myself, I'm a busy working mom. I have two kids, a husband, a dog. I'm running a career. I'm writing books. And I have to make my organizational systems so simple that a five-year-old can maintain them. So I think there's a misconception that we have to have things color-coded or alphabetized to be organized. Organization is really as simple as grouping similar things together and having everything have a designated home. That's it. So I really want to drive that point home that even if you think I'm just not that person, I've never been able to organize, if my kids can do it with their Halloween candy, I promise that you can do it with your own home. It's just a matter of simplifying it. Yeah, I love that. There are certainly personalities in this world that need the organizational system, let's say the filing cabinet, organized by date or by whatever. 
that's not me. Like if it's in the filing cabinet and the door is closed, I considered that organized. You're winning. Yes. (laughs) And I'll say I am a card carrying professional organizer. My file system is like eight huge categories, like kids, car, home. So I can literally just dump things and know they're in the right spot. I can find them when I need to. But otherwise, I'm not an alphabetical person. It's just going to be too much brain power and I'm not going to maintain it. Half of the battle is just knowing who you are and designing systems that will actually be maintainable and achievable for you. Mm. And if I can just add to that, it's also about sticking with it. If your home is a disorganized mess and you spend all this time on the upfront setting up the systems and then you don't maintain them, it's very likely that you'll feel like, oh, I put in all this effort. What was the point? But you, it's like with any new habit or new lifestyle change, you got to stick with it for a while, a couple months, maybe a year to let the benefits shine into your life. Like without the exercise, right? Like if you exercise for a week and then you're like, I still have this body. I'm still fatigued. I still can't go up the stairs. You got to keep doing it. It's the consistency. It is a hundred percent. You're right. Like anything, you could have the most brilliant system set up, but if you don't practice good habits, any system will fall flat. So I think it's figuring out ways to make it easy and to make it even, dare I say, fun. When I had really young kids, my girls are teenagers now, everything was like, get it in the basket, right? Like we would have big open bins and big vessels where they could just literally dump their stuff when it was time to clean up. So instead of it feeling like this arduous task, it could be a game. So any opportunity you have to make things like a plop or a dump instead of a really meticulous system that's going to hurt your brain, I say make it as easy and fun as you possibly can for yourself. Mm. Yeah. And when you feel those benefits that you aptly listed for us, really revel in them. I remember when you were back here on the show the first time, we were talking about entryways. And you had made a point that many of us who have dogs, we need our dog leash in the entryway. But dog leashes and poop bags are not attractive. So why not put them in a basket and then hang the basket on the hook? Easy. Like, how easy is that? And so... I actually did that because I have a dog and my dog leash is not cute. And so now when I look at the basket that contains the ball, the leash, the poop bags and whatever else dog paraphernalia I have, I take a minute and I think to myself, this is so nice. It's organized and it's aesthetically pleasing. Let's bask in that for a minute. So I say all that to the disorganized people listening. When you feel and experience a benefit of being organized, allow that to wash over you because that will inform your future decisions. I could not agree more. And I think so much of my work is just about tiny wins and having those tiny wins compound. So instead of feeling like you have to organize your entire home to be successful, you could literally set up one mini system like you did. I'm going to throw my dog stuff in a basket and now I've organized something. Or I'm going to knock out a single drawer that drives me crazy that I don't like seeing every morning. My bathroom drawer or my junk drawer. It's those little tiny things that then send a message to your brain. I am capable of being being an organized person. I do have the skills to do this. Yes. 
Shira, you have so many tips in your new book, Organized Living, and we're just going to talk about a couple of them today. What professional organizers do when they come into a home, what they do in their own homes. You have a phrase, a saying in your book that stopped me dead in my tracks. And the quote is, don't shop for a mansion if you live in a cottage. Mic drop. What does this mean? And how do professional organizers use this saying in the organizing world? Yes. I first have to give credit to the organizer who told me that saying. So Ryan from Home and Sort, who's also an organizer based in California, said that to me. And it also struck me that, yes, this is the problem that so many people have is this sense of shopping for the home that they really don't have instead of embracing their circumstances and working to elevate what they've got. As a card-carrying minimalist myself in a small home, I have to stop myself when I see, say, a massive sectional that I love, but I'm like, where does that actually go in my tiny bungalow? It's not practical. It doesn't make sense, right? So I think it's a practice of learning how to appreciate things without necessarily buying them or bringing them into your home. And before you make the decision to pull the trigger on buying something, to actually look around at your environment and say, does this have a place? Does this make sense? Do I already have something that does the same thing or has the same functionality? And it's just about intentionality and really thinking about what are my given circumstances and how can I do the best that I can with those instead of living in this kind of dream world of living in a castle when really you're in a studio? Your answer there makes me think about an article I just read. I'll link to it in the show notes, listeners. It was in the Washington Post, and it was detailing a new study that came out. And it basically looked at people who watched a lot of HDTV. And they found that the people who watch a lot of HDTV have ideas about their own homes, that their own homes are boring. That's a quote from the study. And watching too much HGTV makes them, quote, sad. And so... I think that relates to your answer there in that you can appreciate a big sectional. You can appreciate what they're doing on HGTV without having to then take the extra step of saying, oh, I need this, or I need that kitchen on HGTV, or I need this sectional. You can appreciate from afar. Totally. And I think like I have this funny little hobby I call browsing without buying where I will go to, I love style and I love design. I don't actually love shopping, but I love getting inspiration. So I will go to a boutique and I will see beautiful clothes and I'll go back to my closet and see how can I curate an outfit that's like what I just saw, but without buying a thing. And likewise with a home decor, like Maybe I see the big sectional and I think, what is it that I love about that? Is it how comfortable it is? Is it the color? Maybe I can add some throw pillows to my existing couch to make it cozier and more comfy. But I think there's a way of feeling abundant without buying or accumulating more things. And that practice has been so liberating for me to feel like, I don't have to buy a thing to be able to switch up my home, elevate my space. So much of that is just getting creative, playing around with new pairings. Often it's just subtraction instead of addition. I think the best way to elevate your space is simply by 
having less clutter in your space, which is free and available to everyone at every time. So it's just, yeah, it's that idea of observing what's the thing that I'm envious or on these shows that I like or that I feel like I can't have, and how can I get creative and scrappy and create them for myself? Yeah, I think that in our culture, we've forgotten that we can like and be inspired by items. We do not have to own them and bring them into our homes. We forget that because so many of us have excess money burning holes in our pockets. And so we think we need, we can just need to buy it and bring it in and then we'll have the HGTV home. But the fact remains, and I know this from your book because the photos in your book, by the way, are just so awe inspiring. The professional organizers are not buying every beautiful thing they find and bringing it into their own homes. And they're not bringing this stuff into their clients' homes either. They know how to use it for inspiration as opposed to bringing it in and creating clutter. Because when we buy all the things that inspire us, what we're really just doing is making clutter. The photos in your book are gorgeous because of the fact that everything in there is placed with intention. So let's go back to another part of your book that really changed my life. And that is the display and conceal rule. Mm. Talk me through it. So one of the things that I noticed in these 25 homes was this common thread of, we all own those like utility items that are not easy on the eyes, like charging cords or batteries or light bulbs or our kids' diapers. We all have to own things that aren't lovely to look at. But I think what I noticed is that the thing that professional organizers do differently is they tuck all of those things in their concealed storage. So whether that's a drawer or a cabinet, anything with a closed door so that you're not visually seeing it. And they display on the open shelving and the open spaces in their homes, the beautiful things. And even in a kitchen, you could think that your coffee mugs are beautiful, right? It doesn't need to be a work of art. It's just a matter of being intentional about what are the things that I showcase in my home that I'm going to see all the time? And what are the things that I need to have? Like maybe it's like your coffee filters you don't want to have on display, but maybe you have a beautiful coffee maker and beautiful coffee mugs. So you have those out on your open shelves, but it's just being really mindful about what are the things that I want to see every day at my home? What are the things I need to own that I can tuck away? Yeah, I'm thinking back to HGTV again, right? Like open shelving in the kitchen is all the rage. They're not sticking their boxes of crackers and granola bars on those shelves. They're putting their really beautiful dishes, which are display pieces in their own right. They're also functional. But so that brings me to the question of product packaging. And we're going to take a break, Shira, but when we come back, I want to talk about packaging because packaging is not only bad for the planet, but it's also ugly. What do professional organizers do with it? We'll get there after a quick break. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow 
we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back with Shira Gill. She is the author of the new book. It comes out soon. It's titled Organized Living Solutions and Inspiration for Your Home. Shira, before the break, we were talking about This isn't rocket science, but I don't know that people think about it, right? When we're deciding what to display, display the pretty stuff, display your mugs, don't display the coffee pods, (laughs) or display the basket and not the dog leash. Like, not rocket science, but most of us are so caught up in the day-to-day that we don't even think about that. So thank you. Totally. Yes. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's just opening up the awareness to look around your home as if you were a guest in it and just noticing, oh, why is that there? I don't even know. I didn't even think about it, but now I can conceal it and not stare at it every day. So yeah, it's just increasing the awareness. Yes. Because also too, when you live in a space, you're looking at the same stuff every day, you no longer see it. So saying it now makes us then go back into our own homes and see it. So let's talk about the product packaging because it's ugly. How does ditching the product packaging, which I see all the time on HGTV, we get rid of the packaging and then suddenly everything is better. But like, how does that translate into a space that's more aesthetically pleasing and calm and et cetera? So I think, of course, there's the sustainability point of all of this, which I know so much of your work revolves around, is just as much as we can limit product packaging and plastic from coming into our home, the better. But I think most of us do have to buy some products that come in plastic or cardboard or have labels, right? And so all of those things 
create a form of visual clutter. And everything in our home, our brain needs to process as visual information. So the more you can strip away that packaging, the labeling, the logos, it will be soothing and pleasing to the brain. And most organizers have this decant rule. So anything that can be decanted gets decanted, even if that's like unwrapping your batteries and putting them in a little bamboo drawer organizer, as opposed to just having a plastic container of batteries. As much as we can strip away that visual clutter, the better. And I do want to point out, I'm lucky I live in Berkeley, which is the height of sustainable living. So I've got lots of options to shop from refill stores or bulk bins and really prevent packaging from coming into my home. But I've worked with clients all over the country, many of whom don't have those resources. And so I just say as much as possible, if you can bring your own bags or your own containers when you are shopping and see how much of that you can eliminate in the first place, always for the good, for the environment. And then once you're home and you have whatever you have in terms of packaging, the first thing every organizer does is they just rip off the plastic, rip off the, you know, cardboard, ditch all packaging. And ideally you're decanting into something that's also sustainably made, like a glass container or I've mentioned bamboo drawer organizers, but avoiding more plastic, more labels, more packaging. So I thank you for mentioning the see what you can buy without packaging to begin with. So we're not just ripping it off and throwing it in the trash. I appreciate you mentioning that. I do have a question though, with regard to, you mentioned batteries, let's say. So for me, batteries go in a drawer. And I, again, I mentioned at the outset, I don't really care what's happening <laughs> in the drawers as long as it's out of my sight. Is there a benefit in your opinion to taking off the battery packaging and putting it in a bamboo, whatever, drawer organizer that you purchased, is there a significant benefit or is the benefit negligible? So this is such a good question. And I think the answer is it's different for everyone. I am a person who's so sensitive to my environment that if I open a drawer and the batteries are out of packaging and lined up in a nice row in a bamboo drawer organizer, it honestly boosts my mood and makes me happy. There are so many other people who are like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, including my husband. He just doesn't care. It wouldn't be a game changer for him. And so I never want to put pressure on people to do organizing in a prescriptive way, because the truth is organizing is about optimizing your life. And everyone has a different idea of what that means. So if you can dump all your batteries in a drawer, close the drawer, know where your batteries are and sleep well at night, kudos. Like there is no reason to purchase any products. But so many of my clients come to me because they say, I'm really sensitive to my environment. I look at these pictures and I want it, but I don't know how to get it. If you're especially sensitive to things like that, then there are all of these easy hacks like simply removing the packaging of your batteries. And you don't have to go buy anything. You could use an iPhone box, which is super sturdy and resilient, right? And you don't have to spend a dime, but you can repurpose things like a Tupperware container or an iPhone box to create your own drawer dividers, ditch the packaging and get a streamlined look. Got it. I appreciate that answer. And I think it does depend on the person. 
right? I will say, as somebody who says I don't care about my batteries and packages, the leash in the basket has really improved my life. So maybe (laughs) you got to try it. (laughs) Yeah, it really is about customizing. And when I first meet with an organizing client, I will say to them, like, what are you after? Are you wanting like a Pinterest perfect pantry or are you wanting to be able to find your cereal? And people can usually self-identify and there's no judgment either way, right? It's about determining what's the thing that you want that will feel best for you. And often because I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and people are really more driven by sustainability than anything else, buying products to put things in when you don't need to is not optimal for many of my clients. So it's really about asking yourself those questions. What do I need? What do I crave? What's going to optimize and simplify my life? There's little videos. I can't, I'm so not social media savvy, but what are they called? Reels? (laughs) There are so many reels on the internet of people unpackaging their stuff in their pantry and putting it in their pantry. And it's like a before and after. And I watch them because they're fun. I'm wondering if there are any benefits to ditching the product packaging when it comes to food. Does the cereal last longer? when it's in a more durable container? Do the nuts not go stale? Like, are there any benefits other than it looks pretty? (laughs) Yeah, like a thousand percent. And I can tell you from organizing hundreds of homes, the most depressing thing I see is the volume of food waste in overflowing pantries where people just have simply lost track of what they own and things are crumpled up and half opened and expired and stale And so by investing in one set of airtight canisters, I prefer a glass airtight canister for my pantry. I have found that we can put everything from crackers, nuts, snack foods, baking goods into these jars, and they will last months and months longer than just in, say, a cardboard box in a plastic bag like your cereal. So... Certainly in terms of the shelf life, it's like without a doubt. But the other thing is that when you decant things into clear vessels, you can see at a glance what you have, which will prevent you from overbuying. So now, you know, in my pantry, I've basically decanted like all of our basic pantry staples into these glass jars. So before I go shopping, I go grocery shopping once a week. All I have to do is open the doors to my pantry and I can eyeball and see what's empty instead of tearing through an entire pantry, right? And opening every box and opening every basket. You can see at a glance and then you can prevent food waste, overbuying, buying things you already have. So for me, it has been like the most sustainable move probably in my entire house is just that one thing of investing in one set of jars. And you can use mason jars or jars you already have. For me, of course, I like them to be matching. But it was like a one-time investment 10 years ago that I did an inventory of what are the things our family always eats. And I made my categories very broad. So instead of wheat thins, crackers. Or instead of almonds, nuts. So that as we want to change what we're eating or snacking on, we can still dump into the same vessel without having to re label. 
Okay. You've convinced me just for the fact of not wasting food alone. If you think about food packaging, it's there to ensure that the food is fresh when it gets to our house. The company no longer cares. The corporation no longer cares what happens once it's in our house, if it goes stale. And so I hear what you're saying there. For me, Personally, I love the mason jars, especially for snackables, like nuts is a big one. You just stick it in a wine mouth mason jar. I can see it. I can see when we're low without me having to open everything and shake it. But this is a very practical question, Shira. So let's talk about cereal. Let's say you buy, I don't know, some sort of flakes. We'll call it sustainable minimalist flakes. We're just making up the cereal. And everybody loves it in your house. You buy it every week. But you see that you still have a third of sustainable minimalist flakes in your clear container. What do you do with the new box? Do you put it on top? What do you do? (laughs) I've got an answer. I feel like this is actually one of my most asked questions. What do you do with the leftover bits, right, if you're decanting? So you either eat them, if it's like a little bit, like as I'm decanting, if there's like a handful of something, I will pop it in my mouth. Not always the best solution. If you have a sizable amount, you ditch the box. So say it's cereal, you'll ditch the box. Now you already have a much smaller thing. You roll it up and use like a little chip clip or a binder clip, anything that you have. And I just tuck it behind that vessel so that I can refill from it. Or if you find yourself decanting and you have a number of these things, I usually make a backup bin or like a restock bin in my pantry. So you could just use literally a shoebox, a bin, a basket, any type of vessel. And then you just stock those things out of the big bulky boxes. But you would just take if it was like a box of crackers and you have I don't know, 20 crackers left, right? You ditch the box, recycle the box, roll up the packaging and put a clip on it. And now you have like your backup bin so you can decant. Or I often send those with my kids to school or for snacks so that they get eaten. And if you have a little bit left, you're going to want to get rid of it. So you're going to push it on your family so that you can refill. Right. That's I'm always like, who wants to eat this? (laughs) Yeah, stick it on the counter and wait till it goes. Oh, you're changing my life. Okay, I love it. All right, one more question about the pantry before we move on. Do you, is there anything you don't decant? Is there anything that you leave in its original packaging? Yes. If I buy, I try to prevent buying like single use packaged goods like granola bars or fruit leathers, but certainly my kids enjoy those things. So anything like that, I find it a little more silly to have a jar full of individually wrapped goodies. So we have in our pantry, I just call it the snack bin and anything that's loose or random, we just toss in. Or what I found next to impossible to decant is tortilla chips, right? They're big and they're, they just don't fit nicely into a jar. So tortilla chips go in my snack bin with a chip clip and they just need to get eaten. They won't stay as fresh as if they were in an airtight jar, but I have yet to find an airtight jar that can house an entire bag of tortilla chips. So things like that, anything like bulky or cumbersome or individually wrapped, I wouldn't decant. Okay. 
All right. So I'm on board. I'm going to do this. I will report back listeners. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. (laughs) I'm all for reducing food waste. Stuff gets lost, just like it gets lost in the fridge. It gets lost in the pantry. And who wants to spend more money (laughs) replacing stuff that we already have we just forgot about? And you don't have to have an entire supermarket in your home. I think people forget that. And I think Honestly, in the post-COVID world, there is a greater sense of scarcity around food and paper goods and stocking up on all of that just in case. But I can tell you, even through the worst part of the pandemic, like we had a handful of rolls of toilet paper and we were okay. (laughs) So I think it's getting out of that mentality of I've got to get everything around me for comfort and trusting that there will be enough that you can find what you need, that stores will always be replenishing. And you just don't need to have a thousand bags of chips. <laughs> you know, you can have one. Hopefully the pandemic, this pandemic is in our rearview mirror. And we can also leave these habits that we adopted during the pandemic, like buying an awful lot and hoarding stuff and filling our homes full of stuff. Hopefully we can leave that in the rear view mirror as well. I hope so. Yeah, no, I really do. And I'm not trying to advise people on not doing what they think is best for their family. But I do just want to say when that was happening and people were, in my opinion, really overbuying and overstocking up, it took away resources from people that then couldn't find those things. And so I think it's almost... I feel like a responsibility for all of us to just buy what we need because then there will be enough resources to go Mm, around. I like that. All right. So before we say goodbye, Shira, I have one more question that I need your insight on. And that is with regard to the neglected spaces in our homes. What are the traditionally neglected spaces that most of us have and how can we elevate them? So I would say one of the things traveling around and meeting all of these organizers and getting to poke around their homes and be super nosy is some of the areas that really surprised me that I thought even in my own home I've never paid attention to were under the kitchen sink. That's typically an area that's really neglected because nobody sees it and we just shove our cleaning products or sponges or gloves or old random things. And Some of these organizers who you'll see in the book literally made it like a work of art under their sink. And I just thought, how lovely to elevate something as mundane as doing the dishes or cleaning up and treat yourself to a beautifully curated space where you just have what you need and it's organized and it's lovely and it's not piled or dumped in a haphazard way. So I would say under the kitchen sink was a big one. Um, under the bathroom sink or the medicine cabinet is another one where there's a lot of dumping and shoving where you just think, who cares? No one's going to see it. But the truth is you're going to see it and you're an important person. And so I think looking at and questioning what are the areas that I engage with every day that irrespective of if anyone else comes over and sees it, I assume most people aren't snooping through your drawers, (laughs) But just for you, just for your own well-being and mental health to wake up and have a beautiful nightstand that doesn't have 
trash or old coffee mugs or yesterday's mail on it. Those are some of the spaces that I always love to help people elevate because it feels like a treat and a form of self-care and I think really perpetuates the notion that you're important, your home is important, and it's an easy way to boost your mental health without spending a lot of time or money. I love that because we're worthy and we deserve those little spaces just for us, even if nobody's going to see them. Something that I talk about a lot on this show is the external living versus the internal living. And so for me, generally, it started out as having a minimalist organized home was about other people so that other people came over and my house was pristine and nice and I didn't have to run around cleaning up my home when I had people over. And so I'm thinking, I'm saying this all out loud because I'm thinking about how traditionally I don't care what's going on under the sink because nobody's going to see it. But you're right. I'm going to see it. It's not about making a home organized and minimalist or whatever adjective we want to use for other people. It's for the liver. It's for me. I think that's a really powerful shift because it's not about externally living to impress other people. It's about making our lives better, improving our own day-to-day life. So I'm going to think about that. What little spaces in my home do I use every day that I can tidy up and organize just for me, even if nobody else sees it? Not my kids, not my husband, not my dog, just me. I'm so glad. Yeah, I think it's like a little treat you can give yourself. You know, when you open up your nightstand drawer and you just have your journal and your favorite pen or the book that you're loving or reading, it's not for anybody else. It's for you. So I want to prompt your listeners to do the same, to think about what's one tiny space. It could even be as micro as like your purse or your wallet and just making that more lovely to look at and intentional. But It has nothing to do with anyone else. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's really about treating yourself with that care and that mindfulness. Yeah, it's self-care. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Shira, for coming on the show. A second time, we're going to have to make it a third when your next book comes out. Oh, yay. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. And always, I could talk to you all day. Friends, show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 397. I'm going to say adios today. I will see you on Thursday. Reach out if you need me and take care.